We would like to say a special thank you to Tim and Connie Larson for sponsoring this week's episode. He's actually going to go make you make the law happen. Like we were talking about before, your works actually matter. And the law is driving those works forward. The problem is that those works never fill the cup. They never make you righteous. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. What does it mean to be the salt and light of the world? How do you lose your saltiness? Who would hide their light under a basket? These are the questions Kerry Haugen, Adam Guthmiller, and I ask Luther House of Studies' Lars Olson on this week's episode. Often on this podcast, we're focusing on the gospel side of the law-gospel distinction. But Lars teaches us the importance of the law, how the law functions on us, and the key difference between Jesus fulfilling the law instead of abolishing the law. Let's get to it. Here's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have the one, the only, Lars Olson with us this week. Thanks for being here. Hey, you're you're welcome, Mason. There might be another one with my name, but uh, I am an original. That's true. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, we like yeah, we like having Lars on the podcast. Uh, We we've been introducing ourselves a little bit, Lars. Do you have any? Are have we exhausted anything about you, or is there anything new that you can share with our audience? There there is an enormous well that I wait for people to find out about me. I don't tell them anything. Right? Okay, tell us about how many kids you have. I have four kids and one dog. 
Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you made that Good distinction. Four <laughs> children. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Great. Give mm-hmm. us a little more detail. <laughs> what kind of dog? What is the dog's name? Not uh, the the dog we adopted <laughs> uh, when she was one year old is named Finley. Uh, and uh, she's a Labradoodle that is uh, about the uh, same size as kind of a miniature horse. So we like to ride her around in the backyard, especially <laughs> in the snow. Uh, and so she, uh, so she's like another person. That's right. That's, that's why we had to distinguish her from the kids. Yes. And uh, the, my kids are named Carl, Lena, Ingrid, and Linda. Beautiful. Well, we're in uh, the fifth chapter. Of, <laughs> that's actually like, what Linda means. So thanks, yeah, Emma. Beautiful. You're just uh, coming right in there. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wait, Linda means salt or light? Linda means beautiful. beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You sh- you can name your your kids salt. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness, my parents would kill me. Salty, yeah. <laughs> Salty, come here. Um, okay, so back to Adam. Well, we're in the fifth chapter of Matthew. Last week we were uh, here in the Beatitudes with Sarah. Uh, this week picks up right after uh, that with the 13th verse. And Christ says something uh, that kind of makes sense, but it's almost foreign. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste... How can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. It seems to be a decently like, abrupt sort of thing yeah. to say. <laughs> what, yeah, like, well, what I is, think I think you want to get out just kind of what is salt's purpose in yeah. this, right? Uh, and salt brings flavor to things. So if you if you have bland food, you put a little salt in it to bring some flavor into it. It brings the flavor out. It brings the flavor yeah. out of this, right? Um, but it's also you know kind of gritty, and uh, and if you put too much salt in, it's you know, harsh and difficult that doesn't taste good. Um, and so what Jesus is talking about here after we're done with the Beatitudes, right after the Beatitudes now, as he's talked to them about being blessed, even though they're the, the like the prophets, even though the prophets were persecuted for having this word, for speaking um, God's word into a world that simply will not have it. Here now he's telling those who hear this that they are salt for the world. They have a purpose now, a purpose of uh, having this word from Christ, this gospel word, this word of blessing, and to give it into the world. And that is going to be like salt. Um, It's one, going to bring out the realness of the world, but it's also going to be uh, irritating, um, like having, you know, um, grit in your teeth and too much... uh, uh, flavor. And we even have some some phrases around uh, salt that, that really make sense. So if somebody is salty, uh, you know, they're a little bit on edge, right? Uh, and uh, But they're also ready for action. They're just kind of um, in the moment uh, and active, not bland. You want one duh. salty person in your family, probably. <laughs> yeah. uh, per day. <laughs> per day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not too much salt uh, going on there, which is Jesus' point, right? He's yeah. making these people to be salt for the earth, um, and uh, they're going to be persecuted and hated because of bringing the gospel word is going to be not well received. Instead, what people generally want is a word that is kind and gentle and easy and soft and accepting. And here comes this gospel that Jesus has come to confront the troubles of the world uh, with poverty, um, with mourning, death. I mean, Jesus is walking right into it and he's bringing nothing but this gospel word and saying, you are the salt of the earth because you have that word. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be irritating and gritty and bothersome to the world. Um, but that's exactly what Jesus is giving to them and, and telling them they are going to be. 
For clarification, he's talking to his disciples right now, correct? Uh, he has a whole crowd here on, on the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, okay. Um, and so he he was with uh, some of his disciples, but um, he saw the crowd and uh, he actually went up to in order to give them this sermon that goes okay. on for a, a number of chapters here in Matthew. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the the ironic part here is that he's saying you are gonna you are the salt of the earth now. You're gonna have this message, and this message is gonna be irritating. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It can't, right? By definition, if no. salt is not salty, then right. it's if, not salt. If it doesn't do anything, then it's you know um, some old spice that got left in the in the. Uh, uh, can't cover with the top off and you just kind of throw it out. No, that's what he's warning them, actually. He's telling them that uh, as those with the gospel, um, don't give up on this word. Don't become nothing in the world, mm-hmm. that you lose all that power because that's what's asked for. Stop being so salty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that any longer. That's what they're going to do to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's saying, no, you can't not be the salt of the world. You yeah. have this gospel message. You have that word given to you. Mm-hmm. Then so you, you can't, and and of course you can't, you know, make salt salty again once it's something else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not um, here. Jesus isn't saying, um, you know, like let's turn you into this. He's just saying you are the salt of the world because you have this um, this word. Um, we also have that that phrase. You are the, they are the salt of the earth when we talk about good, yeah. honest people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hardworking. Uh, like people Dwight, that are always Dwight there, Schrute, for the, Dwight Schrute, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, he's over Adam's overly honest. Yes. At the on- um, we'll just call him Dwight from now on. <laughs> um, but uh, but that that phrase also kind of comes with the connotation that, that you're not a troublemaker. Uh, yeah. That you're that you're not a problem in the world, and so we kind of take this, which is where this comes from, right? You are the salt of the earth. These mm-hmm. people are salt of the earth, mm-hmm. um, but we turn that into kind of a. Uh, if you just stick to yourself and do your own business and mind your own business, then mm-hmm. you're then you're a salt of the earth kind of person. And here Jesus is saying, "No, uh, I'm giving you a word that's going to go out into the world, and it's that's what makes you salt. You're bringing the new kingdom in the proclamation that Jesus gives to us." Mm-hmm. So then, in verse 14, he kind of puts it in a little bit better light, in a way. Um, just in terms nice. of like a, a more optimistic, <laughs> I just caught on, <laughs> just a little bit more optimistic. He says, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. Yeah. So the same, the same, he's using the same imagery, right? Uh, yep. Of saying this is going out into the world. And he's, uh, he's saying a, a light is, is on top of a hill for all to see. So on one sense, Jesus is saying, this isn't secret, Right. On the other hand, he's saying this is the city on a hill. It's very interesting that he uses the same word for the Sermon on the Mount as for the hill. Like he's building this city with this word. But what people have a tendency to do, of course, is to say, hey, that's great, and hide it, right? Yeah. Keep it, uh, put, a, put a basket above it, uh, above, on top of themselves, and keep it uh, just within their sense. Actually, to kind of be the salt of the earth by not bothering other people around. And mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, that's not what the light is for. It is to go out into the world. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is speaking uh, in, in the beginning here of the, in these two images of uh, the, the gospel word coming into the world in order to give hope, light, uh, however you want to say that, uh, to a darkened world. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the, in the beginning of the gospel of John, it reminds us that um, when Jesus came into the world, they would not have him because they liked the darkness yeah. rather than the light because their deeds were evil and they could keep them to themselves. 
The light disturbs it. The light disturbs it. It exposes everything. Uh, and here Jesus isn't necessarily not or for talking about sin. He's just saying, this is the gospel word that I'm giving. You are now a city on a hill. You have this light that goes out into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and verse 15 uh, says uh, something very similar, or perhaps just the same thing. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand and gives it light to all in the house. So again, the same sort of image of it's being spread out or it's yep. being used. It's, right. It can't be hid it can't be uh, covered. What's well, the next verse? Silly. That, yeah. Yeah. But it's the next verse that he's really getting after. And, and because, because you have been claimed by this gospel word, because Jesus has given this to you now, now your light can shine out into the world and show everybody what you are doing, not for your own benefit or your glory, but to give glory to God in heaven. So that everything that you are doing is now uh, seen through your faith rather than because you were doing it or earning it for yourself. Um, so that um, uh, so that whatever people see you doing now, you're doing in faith and not saying, see how great I am, but you're saying, look what the Father has given to us. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're saying that because this is a very well-known verse. And I think it's also one that does tend to get misinterpreted because of the fact that it says, so that they may see your good works. Mm -hmm. And so that puts that focus on you as the human, you as the one who's doing it and makes you the object. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Like the emphasis is that you're the actor. I'm the one that's letting it shine, not because well, it's we, been given to you. We want to be clear here that, I mean, it is you doing works, that, mm-hmm. uh, but you're not getting credit for them because of the gospel that comes, because the works now don't, you don't need the credit from them any longer. So you are doing the works, but when people see your works and they say, you know what, Mason, that was awesome. Dwight, you were so excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that was Adam. Uh, uh, <laughs> But uh, instead, we say uh, it's not me, but it is the gospel. It is it is trusting in in Christ that that makes these things happen in the world. And so mm-hmm. we we stop um, clamoring over one another, trying to claw and grab and make our way through the world by what we do. But rather, we say, no, this is God at work in us, just as Jesus is saying here on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, that may come to the 17th verse. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So uh, uh, Mason kind of talked a little bit about this before the podcast, this difference between abolish and fulfill. And maybe, Lars, you can help us out there. Yeah, this is actually fairly confusing and difficult for people to get their their uh, minds around. Um, and it's really f- quite difficult to preach uh, because people already have ideas, uh, and it's kind of a fluid idea about what is the difference between abolish and fulfill. Um, but let's let's start with abolish, um, because Jesus is very intent in this section that uh, he's not come to abolish the law, uh, not even to change it one little bit, um, not one stroke, not one dot, what, not one letter of the of the law will pass away until all is accomplished. Um, when people encounter the law, what they usually um, find is that you can use it against somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if I have a problem with you, I go digging in the law books, I find the law, and I can say, you owe me. 
Uh, mm-hmm. there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a problem, there's a debt between us, and we're going to let the law settle it out mm-hmm. and uh, figure out um, who's in the right. Um, of course, uh, if you walk down to the courthouse um, and you uh, watch people coming out of the courthouse, um, uh, even people who win, are they happy? Not always. <laughs> Depends. I mean, it does happen occasionally, yeah. but it's not like this this great place where uh, winners and losers walk out and say, well, the law said, yeah. and so we're all fine with it, right? Yeah. No, you yeah. come out of this saying bruised and beaten. Uh, you might have prevailed, but still you had to go through the, the mm-hmm. trouble of, uh, of dragging people through a lawsuit, right? Um, and so... Uh, or, uh, of course, we always use the the, uh, the common everyday experience of the law being like the police officer sitting at the bottom of the hill, and you come over the top of the hill, and what do you see? Oh, and you I say, hate when they do that. Don't you hate that? Yeah. Right. Uh, but, you know, you can't finally look back and say, you know, for the last 25 years I've been driving, and I've never sped before, and this is the one. I mean, you might be able to plead your case that way, but it doesn't give you any comfort that the police officer didn't catch you mm-hmm. at that one at that one moment, Right. Mm-hmm. And so what people find is the law is always over us, waiting to pounce, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, looking, saying, uh, how am I going to get you today? And uh, we like to look back and say, but I've been so good today, right? I mean, last week I wasn't doing so well. Uh, I, I, I kicked my dog and I yelled at my kids uh, and uh, I lied to my boss. But this week I've really been, I've been, I've been really uh, hanging on to it. But it, the law doesn't care how well you're doing, right? It's always there, as, as, uh, as Lutherans like to say, always accusing you. Even if it's silently, just looking over your shoulder, waiting to... So what do you want from that? But you want the law to be abolished, mm-hmm. to, to send it away, to tell it, to tell it stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus is not giving you that hope right now. He's not come to abolish the law, not mm-hmm. even one letter of it. So uh, he's actually going to make it bigger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to say uh, that the uh, your, your righteousness according to the law has to be greater than that of the scribes and Pharisees. And next week's uh, text is going to go even further, uh, uh, that uh, you thought you were doing pretty well by the law until he says, oh, no, no, uh, we're going to make it larger and larger. So that the law is finally going to uh, not just hang around occasionally, but always um, be weighing down upon you, mm-hmm. ready, to, ready, ready to kill you. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. And so don't you want it the law abolished? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so generally people are looking for Jesus to reinterpret the law, mm-hmm. uh, to make it easier, easier yeah. uh, to make it lesser, uh, to, to bring it down to less just harsh. the place, right? Mm-hmm. To do what? Make it less harsh. Less it, yeah. Make it gentle and kind and easy, I mean, that's right? what we're doing nowadays. Well, uh, like not being salty any longer, Yeah. right? Uh, tone everything down so that we're all milk toast and there's nothing going on, right? Yeah. So that's what abolish finally means is to is to take something and throw it out, break it, destroy it altogether. Abolish there actually means destroy and 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 uh, and and have it no more. <laughs> so he's uh, not here to do that to the law or the prophets. No, despite your greatest hope being that, uh, despite your wish that he would abolish the, the law and the prophets, uh, he hasn't come to do that, but to fulfill. Now, when we think about fulfill, we have to um, 
go through another couple of rounds here of understanding this because you guys know what it is to fill something. If you got if you got a glass and you need to fill it with something, right? This is what we have in mind when we say fulfill. So I've got a big glass and I want it fill, filled with beer. And so what do I do? I pour a little bit in. I wait for the foam to go down. I put a little bit more in. I want it all the way filled to the top. Yeah. Why? If you just didn't pour directly onto the beer and just <laughs> pour it in the glass, you wouldn't have so much foam. Right. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like the foam. But, uh, <laughs> it gives me something to do. Right. Uh, yeah, but once <laughs> once the glass the is the filled all the way to the top, it is full. 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 Yeah. It is fulfilled. Both full filled. It is all the way to the top. It can't take anymore. Yeah. It's all done. It's done its purpose. Now, what is its purpose? Well, to drink it. Uh, and that's really the the point of getting the the glass all the way filled so that you can drink it down and have another one, right? Yeah. But that's what we imagine when we think of Jesus fulfilling the law, that you put in a little bit by little bit by little bit until you get to the top. And we get this idea that Jesus uh, is coming to fulfill the law that we couldn't. He's coming to fulfill it on our behalf, and we add a, he's going to add a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more works until it's all full. Mm-hmm. Well, that is great thinking according to the law, where you're always trying to take credits and, and pay debts and figure out how much there is. But when we think about fulfillment according to the, to the gospel, we have to not think about little increments of getting more and more and more and what happens when it goes down a little bit and how do I fill it back up. Um, But we have to think of fulfillment in terms of something like purpose. Um, What happens when that glass's purpose is fulfilled? It's all gone. Has no other use. It has no other use but to drink it now, right? Uh, there's, it's, it's, uh, it's all done. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's come to its end, right? At least in this iteration. Um, and it doesn't work perfectly with a glass, I suppose, but when Jesus is talking about fulfilling the law, he's not talking about doing it for you little bit by little bit by little bit. He's saying, I've come to bring it to its end, its goal. Mm-hmm. Paul says it this way, uh, that Jesus has come to establish the law, right? Uh, to put it in its place, to tell it, uh, the law isn't your entire life. It only goes thus far. And Jesus has now fulfilled that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're abolishing it, you're telling it to go away, but there's always this looming threat that it's by going away, it could come back potentially. Whereas like if you're fulfilling it, it's at its end, it can't come back. Yeah, you're right about that, but if, exactly. Um, but Jesus is also saying uh, he hasn't come to make it smaller or abolish it. He's actually going to go make you make the law happen. Like we were talking about before, your works actually matter. And the law is driving those works forward. Mm-hmm. The problem is that those works never fill the cup. They never make you righteous. And even if they did, it's worse for you because then you would start to say, I don't need Jesus. I filled my own cup. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Right? Well, how many works do I actually need? Hmm, Exactly. How big is this cup that I have to do? How many times do I have to fill it? Uh, um, You know, you become, what's the the guy, Sisyphus, who had to push the the rock up the mountain. And as soon as it got to the mountain, he had to push it back the other way. And, you know, it never ends, going going back and back, backwards and forwards. But uh, Jesus is saying he's not come to abolish the law. He's actually moving people from the law to the gospel, this Mm -hmm. word that he's giving in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Right? So it's interesting because to follow up what you just said there, until all has been accomplished, therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will Mm -hmm. be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he's literally saying, you're not supposed to teach people to not do the law. Exactly. Which... 
we focus a ton on the gospel here and try to put that focal point on the gospel that I'm sure sometimes people get tend to forget that there is still a law. Right. Um, When we talk about the distinction of law and gospel, we don't mean um, that the law does not matter. Yeah. Uh, The law greatly matters. And Jesus is absolutely certain of that. He's pointing that out all the time. He hasn't come to abolish the law. He's come to make it so great that you could never have your hope in it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Uh, He's come to make it so enormous uh, um, uh, before you that your only hope is in him saying, I will fulfill it for you. Mm -hmm. I will put it behind you. Mm -hmm. Not you can climb this mountain. You can fill this cup. I will do that for you. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus doesn't say how he's going to do that here other than until it's all accomplished. Yeah. So it's simply a promise that he's giving you, right? I have come to fulfill the law. Mm -hmm. Now, we all want to know how he's going to do it and if we can cooperate with that and whatever goes along with that, but he's simply giving that promise. I I have come to fulfill the law because, and that's the last verse uh, here, because your righteousness, in order to be, uh, um, uh, g- to, in order to gain the kingdom of heaven, has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And exceed here isn't that you have to have more back to the amount of right of righteousness, right? But it is it has to be well beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be of something completely other. Um, so you can try all you want, Kiri or uh, Adam or Mason or anybody listening, um, to try and find your righteousness in the law and keep doing works. But as long as you're looking for your righteousness to be there, you're always going to be measuring. Have I, have I su- succeeded the Pharisees in this? Yeah. And the Pharisees uh, are really good at this. Yeah. They're like the best in the world. They are the best in the world. <laughs> uh, they are uh, uh, the best there ever was in the world. Uh, they really are, are intent on keeping the law and finding all the little loopholes and unplugging them and making sure that they're doing everything over and above. So your righteousness is not really, um, uh, you don't have a good shot at having more righteousness than them according to the law in yourself. But fortunately for you, Jesus is coming to say, I will, I will fulfill this law for you. It doesn't mean now that you're not going to do anything. It simply means that you're not going to be looking for your deeds to mm-hmm. make you righteous. Yeah. Because the law was never intended to make you righteous. Instead, it was always, always there to protect you until you could hear the promise and then to hang over you until the promise would finally fulfill it and put it behind you so that you wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. That's what Jesus is doing, fulfilling the the law so that it is behind you and only his word of gospel, the salt and the light of the world is what you live by now in the world. And on that note, We've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Lars Olson for teaching us that as long as your righteousness is in the law, you'll be looking to measure. Are my works greater than those of the Pharisees? How big is the cup? How many times do I have to fill the cup? The problem is the Pharisees were the best ever to live according to the law. You don't have a good shot of topping them. But lucky for us, Jesus is here to fulfill the law for you. The law was never going to make you righteous. 
The law was only going to protect you until you could hear the promise. The law was going to hang over you until the promise fulfilled it and put it behind you. That way, only Jesus' word of salt and light is what you live by in the world. I want to invite you to listen to Luther House of Study's newest podcast, Sing to the Lord. Martin Luther said, next to the word of God, the art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. Lars Olson and I sit down with Zachary Brockhoff each week to break down a hymn, its history, the meaning behind the lyrics, and how the music preaches the gospel. All to understand and appreciate the importance of hymnody in the Lutheran Church. Click on this episode's show notes for a link to Sing to the Lord's podcast feed so you can listen to the show and subscribe to hear the weekly episodes. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, you are the salt and light of the world. We'll see you next time on Scripture First. Scripture First.